Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. crown 2023 champ will it be lafc running it back will it be the columbus crew mm. well we've got a lot of uh, mls cup talk some messy talk and also more to get into but first welcome in hello everybody king craps first one here into the show in the phoi union podcast nice to have you here and you're already dropping in the chat you need today's show to go as long as possible since <laughs> thursday night football is still five hours away although are we rushing to thursday night football i don't think this matchup has me I know I'm not looking forward to it. I'm I'm not gonna watch. I'll be honest. I'm not watching tonight's game. Uh, we've got Tyler Zuli, we've got JP Zabato, Renee Washington, and a special guest coming on the show yep. from the Music City. Going to be joining us a little bit later. Uh, listen, with the MLS Cup two days away, JP, you had a great thought of you know what will it take for the Philadelphia Union to be a team that's back in the MLS Cup, but also winning the MLS Cup to be a championship team. You know, that's the end goal. All the all the other small, very memorable and important, I should say, hardware you can win throughout the course of the season is great. Mm-hmm. But the ultimate is to win a championship. That's right. And, of course, the Philadelphia Union fell short last year, which is why I was like, as the MLS Cup is getting closer and closer and all the reminders of last year, it's like leaving me in my emotions and everything and a little sad because last year we were very much excited heading into the MLS Cup. Oh, this yeah. year, very much bitter. But let's talk about that because we've discussed a lot that we need to see from the union, what we want to see in terms of changes, how we want to see them play, roster moves, different things. Um, And I'm going to let you go first of your initial thoughts of what you think it's going to take for the Philadelphia Union to be a championship caliber team. Championship. Well, first of all, what's going (laughs) on, everyone? Happy Thursday to all. Uh, Listen, uh, is a proper replay of a controversial goal count as an Okay, that's what we're leading with here. <laughs> what is it going to take to win a championship? Correct VAR. No, in, in all seriousness, uh, like I, I look at both these teams, Columbus and LA. First off, they've had a fantastic season. They are two of the hottest teams in the MLS right now. That is why they'll be playing in the MLS Cup this upcoming Saturday. But when I look at both these teams, Renee, like the Union have been scoring goals. Like if you look at mm-hmm. the amount of goals, the tops in the league this year, LAFC, Columbus Crew, Philadelphia, and all in the top 10. I think... The big factor to this upcoming Saturday, these two teams can attack the ball, they can score the ball, and they do what it takes to get the job done and win. But I think the one thing that is the difference 
between the Philly and these two clubs is something we always talk about. It's the depth. <laughs> I mean, when you have Columbus having a guy like Christian Ramirez coming in and making a huge impact in two straight games, mm -hmm. having, you know, for LAFC, Carlos Vela has been interchanged as a as a substitute. He starts. Obviously, Dan, uh, Dennis Bowong is more of that leading guy in that attack, but they have different options that they can use in the attack. So I think it is quite simple. I mean, obviously, you need the cards to fall in your place. Columbus mm -hmm. and LA have had that happen. LA twice now in, in two years, which is which is cool for them. But I think for Philly, it's very simple. I mean, you, you just need to build a full 18 out. That's been the main problem here. When you compare the benches of LA, Columbus compared to Philly, you see the differences here. And I think that's the main difference. I don't think they're that far off. I know we're all very down right now, mm -hmm. which I, I understand why. But if you look at it as the bigger picture, Really, Ernst Tanner, who has the pressure on him already, if he has a good offseason here for Philly, you could be in that conversation again this time next year. Yeah, listen, we have talked a lot about it. Um, and I think the more that I watch other games, the more I'm like wondering, you know, what right. is it going to take for the Philadelphia Union to have that caliber of, of a team? And when you look at, so Sunday, for example, <clears throat> I was watching Tottenham Manchester City 3 3 tie. Watched the Atletico Madrid Barcelona hey, one nothing win by Barcelona, uh, <laughs> and I was watching especially that three three tie. Now, granted, it's easy to look at a game where there's six goals scored and say, "Wow!" Although one was an own goal, but still, um, wow, that's a lot of offense. But what I actually took away from it was how they were scoring goals was beautiful. Yeah. And I, I'm a, I will admit, you know, when I played soccer, I'm I'm five eleven. Um, I was I had a great aerial presence. I loved services, corner kicks, crosses. I lived for that. I scored a lot of goals off of that. But I also love when you have the ability to break defenses down and score. And now you can combine. And I was watching the goals Sunday in, in those matchups specifically. And I'm like, whoa, even the chances they were creating, it was a lot more. I love when a team can create those edge of your seat, hold your breath types of chances where it's like ping, ping, ping. They're combining. It's a lot of variety in their attack so yes they're creating some wide services but also breaking down their opponents in terms of how they're able to make passes and yep. making good runs and now you're sliding the ball across the six from the end line versus like a big booming 30 yard service into the box you're giving your team a better chance to score and that's actually how the own goal happened mm -hmm. for the for that three three tie you know you want to put your you want to consistently put your opponent's um, on their heels yeah. and I for me I'm, I'm an attacker I'm a goal scorer so my mind always goes to the offense because it's your job to make sure you're taking the pressure off your back line and when I watch the Philadelphia Union in comparison to Manchester City Tottenham <laughs> Barcelona oh, <man. laughs> but even the Columbus Crew and LAMC it is just a difference of personnel you know mm. now you look at of course the regular season matchups that they had with each of these teams they're right there. They're right there. And that's a crazy thing. Yeah. But I think that the Philadelphia Union this season, to me, were just so predictable and that you never really had any plays where you were like, oh, what are they going to do? Yeah. Like you always knew how they were going to be able to attack, how they were going to be able to play. So uh, welcome in, in the chat. I know I see we're flowing in the chat. Hey, We've got uh, Babita. What's up? Uh, yes, I am 5'11". A lot of people don't realize that because I have... Well, I don't look that tall, I feel like, when I'm sitting down. Um, Will, what's up? Will's giving you props. I know King Krabs did as well on the Flyers jersey because we're not talking about Thursday night it's football. It's going to be a boring game today. <sighs> it's tall. We're talking about the Flyers. It's going to be fun to watch. Very late, um, but fun. But fun to watch. <laughs> and then, Dominic, you're talking about LAFC has the deepest team in the league. It's not a surprise. They've been able to weather the long season compared to the Union. 
Absolutely. Depth is huge. Depth is huge, but what also helps with that depth, when you talk about Dominic's mentioning they haven't let up a goal in three games, their defense peaking at the right time, the depth. Columbus on the other side having the highest scoring offense. Dominic's got the, the scouting report right there for hey. everybody before we even jump into it. Is the fact, thank you, King Krabs, I guess, is the <laughs> fact that um, <laughs> depth, what helps depth is when you're taking care of the ball. So the other side of it is if you're possessing, playing good soccer, you are working the ball around. That actually helps. the. We, there's a saying, the ball never gets tired. Yeah. Players do. And that's yeah. obvious. I mean, I don't have to explain that. So <laughs> if you're moving the ball and you don't have to worry about chasing, you don't have to worry about always defending, having that pressure on, that even helps manage your guys to feel you know, ready to go mm -hmm. versus if you have game after game, that wear and tear of down the wire games, or you're always playing coming from behind and you're trailing like those types of things help. And then as you're creating and possessing and combining, you're now feeding off of each other. Yeah. So if you don't have depth, one way to combat that is your, your movement, your possession. So the union didn't really have either of those. Finding those advantages <laughs> any which way you can. I'm glad you brought up tactics because since Ernst has arrived, the tactics is pretty straightforward. It's mm -hmm. high pressing. It's this diamond compact midfield. They mm -hmm. win the battles in that midfield. Obviously, a strong back line is super important. And it's been the same thing. Now, we did see some tactical flexibility this year. You saw the introduction of a three-back set. It was seen more prominently this year with the with the addition of Damian Lowe, which he played spectacularly in that, in that role as well. But, I mean, I look at these two teams, and one thing that stands out is these guys know how to move and attack with the ball. Possession yeah. is big. Uh, LAFC averaged around 50% of possession. Columbus Crew averaged around 57%. That's a lot of possession. That's what they want to do. They want the ball. They want to attack the ball down your throat. They want their, their, their center backs to take those chances. Mm -hmm. I know you don't like the three-back set. That's something that they, they love to run, and they want their center backs to make take those chances as well. I don't want the union to not be who they are. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Because the one thing I talked about before is knowing who you are and sticking to that. That's why Columbus and L.A. are in these positions here. So for the union, it's, yes, finding those tactics that work best for you and finding the personnel that works best for you. Mm -hmm. The three-back set, that worked for Damian Lowe, but that didn't always work for the rest of the union attack. Correct. The four-back set, I mean, sorry, the, the four in the midfield, the diamond midfield worked, but there was times where it got, you know, stagnant because teams know what's coming. Teams know what mm -hmm. to expect. So it's going to be really important. And I know a lot, and we're going to see a lot of, probably going to see a lot of goals on Saturday. I'm not going to lie to you. I, mean, I know it's going to be cold in Columbus. It's yeah. going to be in Columbus, but I think there's going to be a lot of goals with these two teams. But I think the union's important because something that Jim and Ernst talked about in the closing presser, they're going to reevaluate things. Like, yeah, I don't think you can do the same things anymore. You need to tweak some things. You need to think outside the box, but find what you are good at and stick to it. And got to let the cards fall in your place. I could not agree more. And I think this is a great offseason for the union to reevaluate and make some adjustments. It's yeah. time to go back to the drawing board because a lot of their results this season, as we know about the draws they had at the conclusion of the regular season, six draws that they had in their final nine games. Uh, also, just the inability to score at times. You cannot have those same woes going into next season. And so definitely time for some some changes in terms of personnel, but also in terms of tactics as we're talking about. Figure out, okay, what is our best system that our guys play in? You know, because it, like you mentioned, a three-back could be good for one team, but a four-back might be good for another team. Is it a diamond midfield? Is it a traditional four-across with two wide minis? Is it a three-five-two or four-five-one? No, what are you playing in terms of tactics as your main go-to formation? But then also, how are you attacking through that? 
You know, it's it's tremendous that the union have such a strong back line and core and Andre Blake in their in front of them having, you know, Jacob Glesnes when he's out there, Jack Elliott, Damian Lowe, whoever steps in that center back. But OK, what's your midfield and forward line going to look like and how can they produce? The d- other difference is LAFC, Columbus Crew, they're scoring goals. I mean, I was I was watching a, a Manchester City Tottenham. I'm like, wow. This is how you attack. I know I said that before about the Columbus crew. And I, I'm one I like to watch what others are doing and learn from it. And the union have a lot they can learn from in terms of the movement, the possession as a unit. Mm-hmm. Not just relying on Kai Wagner, whoever your outside back is, to not create services in diagonally from 25, 30 yards out. So when you look on paper, again, it's it's a 0-0 tie, a 1-1 tie against Columbus and LAFC this season. And they're in the MLS Cup. So many would say, oh, we tied them. The union should also be in the MLS Cup. No, you have to score goals. You have to be able to outpossess teams, outshoot teams, shots on target, and actually finishing those chances. So to me, it's definitely time for a little bit of a reality check, I hope the season was, to change some things, make some improvements, and make sure that the union, especially offensively, look different next season. Yeah, you got to be able to to possess the ball. Like I know one thing we always emphasize, this is a defensive-oriented team. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all about that high-press creating those turnovers all throughout the field and and then counterattacking with that with the speed that we have with our attack there. But if it's not there, what are you going to do? When the team is playing keep away from you, what are you going to do? Mm. Once you have the ball, you got to find a different way to score the goal. It can't just be on our counterattack. And something that they did struggle with a little bit last year. I mean, we talked about during the New England game. I mean, like, yo, oh, that was terrible what they were doing in the final third. And so that that's something that they definitely just need to address is finding ways to find, uh, find a way to possess there. But one thing you guys can find a way to make your life easier is using the Game Time app. Of course, nice. ladies and gentlemen, heading right to the game, tailgating with your buddies, don't have tickets? Well, don't worry. That's where the Game Time app comes into place. It is the best way to buy, not only purchase tic- uh, tickets for sporting events, but concerts and all the events that you are looking for. But of course, right now, make sure you guys download the Game Time app. And for our first time users, use the promo code PHLY for $20 off. That's right. Promo code PHLY, $20 off on your first purchase. Thank you to Game Time App, and make sure you guys are checking the Game Time App. Yes. Well, you know, as we're talking through ways that the Philadelphia Union can be better and what what it'll take for them to essentially be a championship-caliber team, um, you know, that's something that a lot of clubs around the league are now scratching their head wondering, taking a step back, looking at how they can – you know, reevaluate in terms of lineups, tactics, moves that they're making this offseason to help prepare. And uh, I know down in the Music City, it's been a great week for baseball in terms of winter meetings. <laughs> well, it's also we're venturing down in Music City to bring in our very own guest for today from Nashville. You are a play-by-play broadcaster, reporter, Wes Bowling. Welcome into the show. How are you, Wes? Well, I was doing okay, and then you brought up baseball, and I remembered as a lifelong hopeless Braves fan that I'm really mad at your Phillies for the second straight year. So uh, now I'm going to hop off and finish my work day, and hope you have a nice day. Thank you. Uh, no, say, things are things are good. I was going to say, yeah, you know, it's been nice having you. Uh, see ya. <laughs> now that you said you're a lifelong Braves fan, that, we got to have some stricter requirements for our guests coming in, apparently. Just but, letting uh, anybody in here, yeah. <laughs> We'll let that slide. We'll let that slide. Wes, we're talking about how the Union could be a team that's an MLS Cup championship winning team. For Nashville, coming off of a season, you know, your fourth, the fourth straight season that they make it to the playoffs, uh, also having a franchise high 13 wins, 
nine of those being at home, the defense being the best in the league. You know, what are your initial thoughts? Now that we've all had a chance to process our respective teams coming out of the season uh, since we're not heading to the MLS Cup. What are your initial thoughts on Nashville in terms of this season that they had, which was very great, but still, of course, that one nothing loss against Orlando City sent them home and uh, ends the great run that they had? The season was fine. And I think fine can be interpreted a couple of different ways, right? I mean, th- you can't argue with the defensive performance. It was outstanding. Home matches, the team packed a little more punch, at least for part of the year, than they had before, including some literal punch when Shaq Moore and Julian Carranza got into it when, that, when the union came down <laughs> oh, to yeah. uh, to Music City. Uh, the defense, though, when, you, when you're that good and when you're built around that, then you have to capitalize. And that's where things were just fine for this team. They weren't able to really ever find the offensive weapons or cohesion outside of Leaks Cup, where it was epic, to consistently compete and to beat teams uh, that that they should have beaten. And, and the other thing that was frustrating, I think, was that this is a veteran group. This is the oldest average uh uh roster age in the league, 30.1, the only team 30 plus. And yet you saw time and again a group of veterans lose their heads or lose their chemistry-laden matches when they were chasing a game. And again, Philadelphia, an example of that, where they go down 1-0, uh, there's a, a couple of late red cards, some sloppy play that were atypical of what this club has typically done. So a, a good year. Four straight playoff appearances on the Club and Country podcast. We have to regularly remind our listeners all was not lost. And yet the hardest thing to maintain in this league is to be fine because either the parity of this league catches up with you and you fall below the pack, or your supporters become ambitious because they see that you are good enough to ascend. And you either make that ascent or you take more chances in your attempt to do so and you fall. So uh, that's where things are right now at a bit of a precipice, I think, in Nashville, where things were fine, but supporters have gone from saying in the first three years, hey, pretty new club, fine's pretty good, to all right, fine's getting kind of old. Wes, what's going on? This is JP Zapata over here. Real quick, it's like Nashville, you know, like Renee said, you guys have been pretty consistent. Playoffs, reigning MLS MVP from last year, Mukhtar. So with that, you would think that the goals would come and obviously it didn't. So going to 24, what are you looking for for this attack to get that boost they need? I think the first thing is the incorporation of DP Sam Surridge from Nottingham Forest. He was lightning in a bottle in League's Cup, but that never really translated to league play where he scored just a couple times. I think giving him an offseason to work with this group, to work in particular with Hani and perhaps new talent up top alongside him, will be a big benefit. I think the answers to this team's success are largely, but not entirely, already on the roster. And I think that's what needs to come next. And, and we're all talking, and you guys were talking just a minute ago about supplementing a roster with with you know talent. And I think this club, when it scouts inside MLS, has done a great job finding pieces, going back to their expansion formation, but has a harder time bringing in successful talent from outside the league that contributes immediately. And yet that might be what the mandate is, to find a number eight who's going to pack some punch going forward. Maybe to go take advantage, uh, not to, to rub salt in the wound of a tough contract situation or discussion and get an Ali Bedoya on in here. You know, no. fits the veteran mold and a wing who can help out. Uh, I know you talked earlier this week about you know, how that was a miscommunication that could totally have been avoided. You know what? Maybe Nashville brings him in. He still he can still retire a union player, but maybe he's on a <laughs> one-year contract with a team option for a second, and, and he comes in and supplements. I think this team just needs that extra little something. And with Dax McCarty leaving and Fafa Picot leaving, 
you know, I think there are big pieces to replace. And I don't think Nashville's looking at its current cast of characters and saying they're going to do all that lifting. I think they're going to have to go out and bring somebody else in. Yeah, it's, it sounds very similar to what we have in terms of problems with the union as well. Uh, for most people, as you, as anybody will know or may not know, actually, it's hard to score goals in soccer. That's why being able to lock in a goal scorer is so coveted. And you look at the fact that you guys have Hani Mukhtar, who's one of the best in the league, as you talk about reigning MVP from last season, but then also Walker Zimmerman and a team that gave up just 32 goals all season on paper. You guys have and you did show to be one of the top teams in the league, but much like the union are on the outside looking and trying to take that next step. And something you mentioned in terms of roster moves, uh, you know, you're not bringing back everybody, obviously, uh, Dax being one of them. You know, looking at the roster announcement that came out, you know, how what were the initial thoughts, I should say, when you heard the roster decisions, um, looking at the declined contract options, the exercise contract options, all the, the mumbo jumbo of who's coming back for sure for Nashville next year and who's now going to be testing their waters in free agency with someone like Dax McCarty and Bafa that's that's on the outside looking in. And my first thought was that maybe those two players would enter free agency only to get renegotiated deals with Nashville at lower contract values given their age, but then both basically said goodbye to Nashville. Unless they're just using that as leverage and being really good social media negotiators, it sounds like they're out the door. And I was not surprised with Dax, particularly when it was reported, I believe, by Tom Bogert that he was seeking a multi-year deal. I think that a lot of clubs are going to be hesitant to lock him in for multi-years at this point in his career as integral as he was as the captain for Nashville. And so there was automatically then a bit of, uh, uh, you know, poignancy, a little little sentimentality that comes with that, that you're losing a player who's been such a warrior for this club on the pitch, but also off it. Uh, Nashville only won about 36, 37% of the matches that it, that it played when Dax McCarty didn't start. And uh, that's up above 40% for when he when he's in the starting 11. And then Fafa Pico was, I think, a shot across the bow by this team a year ago when they signed him. They wanted to trade for him actually in the August window last year and couldn't get it done and got it done in the offseason, putting him on one side and Jacob Schaffelberg on the other. Their intention was to get much faster on the flanks and to then create more space in the middle for Hani Mukhtar because defenders are coming and marking the flanks. Didn't quite work like they wanted to. Fafa had a good year, five goals, one assist. But I think when you look at that veteran salary point, I think it was time for them to, to talk about ways that they could get younger. And unfortunately, Fafa is a, a victim of that. Beyond that, not really surprised by most of the other moves. Uh, you know, Lucas McNaughton was a revelation as a third center back that ended up competing for starting minutes and starting a lot of matches. And I think that points to the to the larger strength of what Nashville does and what Philadelphia has done so well in its longer history, which is to find undervalued assets from mm. elsewhere. Pretty much any MLS team could go to Toronto and say, half that roster is being misused right now. And so Nashville has plundered Toronto for Jacob Schaffelberg uh, and now for Lucas McNaughton and immediately put them to very effective use in Music City. And, you know, I, I think I could continue talking about how I think Nashville models Philadelphia in a lot of ways, and maybe intentionally so, but that's one example. And uh, so I'm eager to see McNaughton back, eager to see the core of this team back, but I would still expect that we see more roster changes to come and probably um, more turnover in Nashville's roster going into year five than they've had any subsequent offseason. Uh, Wes, real quick, so I want to talk uh, manager. Obviously, Gary Smith gone. Um, so for this upcoming year, for the new manager, 
what are we looking for? Are we looking for an American? Are we looking for some, obviously, hopefully someone with an attacking background here, but what are is Nashville particularly looking for this next manager? So, so Gary is still here. He's still part of the club. Okay. Um, he he's still got this job at least for now, unless unless something broke in the last hour while I was working. But but he, uh, I think you're you are channeling the ethos of a lot of the Nashville SC community <laughs> though, who I think again, as I talked about, are kind of tired of being fine, and I think maybe undervalue how much work it takes to be good. And and I think in Nashville's case, pretty darn good uh, for four years. Uh, I think Gary Smith, you know, has has been consistent at a level that it's hard to achieve in major league soccer and at a slightly higher level than he was in, in Colorado. And the benefit of that is that you have an identity and, you know, Gary comes in, he's known for his defense. He gets frustrated and privately he's mentioned some frustration when people call this team a defensive team. He prefers the term organized. Oh. <laughs> I think oh we God. could quibble because I, I think those can mean the same thing, but, but I think, you know, this team has really doubled and tripled down on the identity that he's built for this team, uh, which is to be tough to beat, uh, to be direct in the attack on the counterattack. And that's why they added speed along the flanks, for instance, in, in Pico and Schaffelberg. So I think there's frustration with Smith because he is not going to give you um, – a pardon the term, but a balls to the wall attacking mentality. Uh, but I think when you do that, when you if you were to bring somebody in that changed that approach, again, you're removing your floor, not just your ceiling. And I think Gary Smith is a high floor manager. Uh, there have been many who've called for his dismissal and departure. Uh, I, I'm not one of them. I, I will defend him. I also know him personally and really respect a lot of what he stands for as a manager and a person. But I think when you have a firm identity, you have to show growth within that identity or you're going to foster impatience. And Nashville didn't grow last year. They didn't show that growth. And so I think that bringing in an assistant or two who can challenge Gary Smith tactically, uh, when you have a good manager, you give him resources to make him better. Uh, you don't abandon him just because he's not great at the moment. And I think Nashville has a good manager and they need to give him the resources to, uh, to get to that next level. That includes a couple more players too. Yeah, I know Dominic in the chat is agreeing with you, uh, you know, talking about Gary Smith very similarly to Jim Curtin. Um, there are a lot of similarities between Nashville and, and, and the union, which is probably why every game between them becomes a, a tough <laughs> battle, red card, yeah. you name it, because it's like yeah. you're, you're playing yourself uh, in that sense of just how their style is, both very defensive units, well-coached. Um, but also teams that are struggling offensively to really turn that corner, have that consistent offensive prowess. Um, but, you know, you look at the two teams in the MLS Cup, they haven't really had that issue, which is why they're playing this Saturday in the MLS Cup. So LEFC looking to win their second straight. Of course, uh, their first last year was their first ever, whereas Columbus Crew looking to win their first since 2020, which will be their third title. Um, you know, we have been teetering around some MLS Cup talk. I'm curious to know your initial thoughts on the MLS Cup in terms of predictions. What are you expecting out of this matchup? Well, looking back for a second, I'm just thankful since he's not in it. Um, <laughs> that's my first feeling. You guys may we share that too. feeling after some controversy in that one. Yep. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a great game. And I heard you, JP, mentioning before I came on that you think it's going to be a high-scoring match. I agree. I, I, on our podcast this week, picked a 3-2 final. When it's 3-2, it's a coin flip as to who's going to score the three and who's going to score the two. But I think 
in that coin flip, you go, sorry to again, dredge up another sore subject, but you go toward, toward MLS cup experience and LAFC of course has that and has experience with late game heroics. And even though Gareth Bale is playing golf now, he probably always was playing golf, uh, but he's not going to be available to them. Obviously, I think they, they have the talent and they have the heroics to, to make this happen, even on the road and what's going to be a, a raucous environment. So I like LAFC in that one, but uh, I have never put a cent down on a sporting event. And especially in this freaking league, I never will uh, because I would lose my house and home. So now that I say that it's going to be three nothing Columbus. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, seriously. Uh, I, I knew your balls to the wall comment was going to get some laughs in the chat because we've got some really interesting minds in our in our usual suspects <laughs> that tune in that I knew as soon as you said, I'm like, all right, King Crabs and different people are going to be chuckling at that one. <laughs> are the, is there going to be any like cool like watch parties in Asheville? Do you know of any? You know, we have a restaurant sponsorship deal on our podcast. I should probably cool. uh, call them up. We're two days away from the game. Might be a little late, <laughs> but, but the but the wife's going to be out uh, actually that day. So it's going to be me and my three year old. So maybe I'll take him and and we'll get some French fries and have a boys' day and go watch. I don't know of any of anything, but there is a blossoming supporters culture here. Got a long way to go to to equal the sons of Ben and and their ilk, <laughs> uh, but we're we're trying here in Nashville. So hopefully uh, hopefully we can get there and. You know, I want to I want to echo too a thought uh, about this these similarities between Nashville and Philadelphia, mm-hmm. because I think that that Nashville in a lot of ways is trying to be a microwave Philly. You know, yeah. it, it took a while for things to cook yeah. in Philadelphia, right? It took a while to go from, but but, but there was a plan, and Jim Curtin was there. <laughs> he was along for that plan. That consistency, I think, has really paid off. And I think when you look at elements of their identity. You know, of the supporter identity, of the team identity, there are similarities. Teams that are tough to beat, strong, better, and present, uh, consistent lineups. These two ranked at the bottom of the league last year in number of players used. Uh, Philadelphia was 23, Nashville was 24. Mm-hmm. And I know you guys talked, I think, Tuesday about, you know, play more players, get some more guys involved. Yeah. When you have a hugely veteran group and you're taxing those legs, that could be a good thing or a bad thing, but there's consistency there. And what Nashville's been able to do, I think, is to model after a club like Philly and maybe do it a little faster on the front end, but not to the same level just yet that Philly has, uh, a la 2021 playoff loss uh, there within <laughs> PKs. Uh, and so I, I enjoy following Philadelphia and listening to you guys because I think we can see our future a little bit here in Nashville when we look at Philly, based on the trajectory, at least, that, that Nashville supporters would like this thing to go. Yeah, I mean, the union have come a long way from the Nixakevich days and, and they, you know, the initial uh, years. Uh, as you talk, oh, oh, gosh, yeah. What do you so do, part two? When you talk about uh, the microwave version, it's, it's, I guess I'm glad we can model it, um, but it is also frustrating as you talk about just the lack of use of players. We've talked a lot about the depth and lack of, but then on top of that, both teams in Nashville and the Union are teams that are very defensive focused, which means you have a lot of 0-0, 1-0, 2-1 types of games. So you're using less players and you're having a lot of your games go down in the wire and you're not scoring yeah. a lot. Not a great recipe. So let's change what this microwave TV dinner uh, on, you know, <laughs> option that we're putting together and make something that's a little bit more offense. If we're going to mirror each other, let's mirror each other that on the good. other side of the field too. <laughs> so you're suggesting a mutual aggression pact that both teams will sign a contract to be more aggressive next year. Yeah, it exactly. works for me. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, you guys are a homegrown system away from becoming Philly, I feel like. What's that's, that like? And that's what's next. That's, I think, the first Academy right. player. My prediction is the first Academy 
player for Nashville will make his debut next year. Um, mm, Adem Sipic, he's a striker. Remember the name. He's like 17. Uh, he uh, is also part of the, I believe, Bosnian youth system. And uh, I know that's exactly why everyone tuned in to learn about the Bosnian youth system and Nashville's <laughs> academy. But but I do think that's another element. You know, it's, it's a residential academy. It's, of course, extremely young in, in its operation. But I think there's a lot of optimism about the the talent that's coming through there and the leadership. And that's it. You know, I, I called matches for Nashville SC and USL as well and seeing Bethlehem Steel that's what they were when they played us yeah. in USL you know and and I mean getting to see Mark McKenzie in person uh, Brendan Aronson played in a match um, against Nashville SC and USL at First Tennessee Park a triple A baseball stadium and wow. that is my trivia whenever he's on TV now uh, playing abroad and and so I think there's a lot of optimism around what's developing here but yet again you look at Philadelphia and the talent market in Philadelphia, the homegrown options available, way richer than here in Tennessee. For now, uh, we're diversifying, we're growing as a city, uh, but uh, Philly is a model there as well. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. My, my last question for you um, is, as we talk about the similarities between Nashville and the Union, you know, a, a lot of different components in terms of tactics that are the same, but also in terms of the wear of the, the season and the amount of games that they're playing. And I know we've talked a lot about it on the show here, and I'm sure you've had plenty of conversations around it as well. Uh, first of all, I love the fact that you tuned into our Tuesday show, so thank you for that, Wes. Um, it was great, but also, yeah. <laughs> but also looking at the MLS season as a whole, because we are two days away from the finale in the MLS Cup, what have been your thoughts on every aspect? I know I've, I've kind of asked every guest that we have on here. I'm always interested in everybody's answers. Uh, what are your thoughts on how the league rolled out so many new components, whether it was the TV deals or even, uh, of course, we had Messi coming to the league this season. You know, a lot has happened this year. Also, even the international mix of games and competitions of, you know, tapping into the, the Mexican community of soccer talent. So what has been your takeaway from the way this 2023 season has really planned out? I've loved it. I think that Major League Soccer needs to be a league that tries stuff. Uh, and I think that any club that tries to, for instance, you know, Montreal a few years ago, club to foot, uh, you know, they, they changed their branding and they said, we want to be a global brand. Are you really going to be? Are people in France going to embrace a, a club from Montreal in mass unless one of their stars goes and plays there? No, I think you have to do things differently. You have to zag when everybody else is zigging. And mm. I think Major League Soccer is going to going to take some chances when they do that and some of them are just going to flop they're just not going to work i mean you look at like the run-up shootouts in, in the early days you know things like that like hockey style shootouts they're a lot of fun i don't recommend bringing them back but that set the dna of this league toward trying things and so i think league's cup was trying something and i think it worked beautifully and i'm not just saying that because nashville was a penalty kick away from winning the dang thing yeah saying it because I saw the Mexican fans come into Geodis Park, the ones that that live like that stadium's in a very diverse area of town. And they live in many cases walkable distances from Geodis Park, and yet many didn't cross the threshold until America and Monterrey came to town. That's great for the for the club. They can win over fans. They can diversify this thing, which they should be doing. Uh, I think that across the league, that was the effect, and it was it was wonderful to see. Uh, but I, I think also that the messy thing, I mean, that's ambition. And I think we all looked at Miami. Maybe you guys are like me. You looked for several years and said, yeah, 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 yeah. You're linked with every player in the world. I'll believe Messi when I see it. Well, we got to believe it now. And oh, yeah. 
you know, time will tell. I think Messi could end up having the Deion Sanders effect a little bit. Uh, you know, if, if you guys are, you know, college oh, football yes. junkies like I am, is Messi coming in to really elevate things or is it a temporary burst of passionate excitement that goes away and becomes a, remember when he was at Miami type of situation? Uh, I think, you know, there's incalculable global impact and impressions in Miami and for this league in the short term, more so than Dion in Colorado, even. And he's Times Sports Person of the Year for some weird reason. Uh, but, but I think, you know, time will tell. Is there lasting impact of him coming to this league? At the very least, you, you've planted a seed with people. You've done something a little bit differently and ambitiously, and he's playing for a pink team and a bunch of weather delays, and and that's that's kind of exciting. It's different. It's unique, and uh, you know, it, it's I love Grant Wall's book, The Beckham Experiment, because it talks about whether this was really about yeah. Beckham or was it about Major League Soccer. I don't think MLS was positioned to understand or capture Beckham's success then mm -hmm. uh his q rating i think it's better positioned now the tv deal brilliant brilliant i uh, had questions like everybody did uh, even as a, a friend of a lot of those broadcasters who got great gigs uh, with apple and it went beautifully i thought with some minor quibbles that i could get into over a beer maybe we should do that next time i'm up in the northeast <laughs> there you go but again, this league's going to try stuff and it should never try to assimilate to just be like a top five global league because ironically, the way that it gets to becoming a top five global league is by standing out, not by mm. fitting in. And I love its desire to stand out, even if I'm not going to agree with every chance it takes. I like that. How many, uh, since the season's ended for you guys, how many pink jerseys you've seen Rome run around Nashville? They would probably get eggs thrown at them. If, if, I, if there were any, See, it's uh, not but there were Philly. Uh, no, we there was door playoff game against New England. Oh man, someone just oh, chilling man. in the sectional no. with the pink net with pink Messi. <laughs> I'm a big University of Tennessee guy. It's like going to to a Tennessee Florida game and seeing a Georgia shirt. Like everybody's oh, looking man. at everybody on both sides. Like wrong place, buddy. You wear that at home. <laughs> uh, it was interesting the number of Nashville SC season ticket holders whose kids showed up in messy jerseys the night oh, of that man. game, and, and you're like, you know what? All right, first of all, if it's a kid, yeah. you do your thing. You're 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 still young and dumb, whatever. But but <laughs> you, you forgive it even from the adults because they're so enthusiastic about this game, uh, and and you think hopefully that will spill over into passion for the hometown team one of these days too. So uh, you take the win along with the loss, I guess. I love that. I love that. Well, Wes, it's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah. I know we opened up talking <clears throat> baseball and I'm going to raise it one more because Babita in the chat is wanted to make sure you got a special thank you on behalf of all of us here in Philly to all of you in Nashville and down in Tennessee for AJ Brown. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> set our franchise back five years so you're most welcome we appreciate yes. everybody en enjoy the, him you're representing all of the tennessee and all of the titans fans and that so thank you for aj brown and, yeah yeah else. you wonder why people in nashville are resentful of everybody but the flyers these days jeez you guys <laughs> taking all of our talent very true <laughs> well it is beautiful down in nashville Jodas park is incredible i've seen oh, yeah. it in person oh my gosh and it's been great to see the way that, you know, the team has really evolved season after season. Um, not when they're playing the union. I don't enjoy Well, I enjoy those games, too, I should say, but for a different reason. So it's been a pleasure having you on, and we'll have to do this again sometime. Thanks, Wes. Next time you're in Nashville, look me up. Sounds good. Wes Bowling, guys, joining us down from the Music City. Uh, yeah, Babita's saying, poor Wes. He's a Braves fan. He's a University of Tennessee <laughs> fan. 
probably a Titans fan too. You know, if anybody, I always tell people, if you're frustrated and tired of losing with your teams, come on to Philly, being part of some you winning like teams. Yeah, I know. That's that's always my come, to death row. come on over to Philly. <laughs> Sign with us. You're gonna win. We're literally death row over here. We are death row. We are death row. And and, and like he said, we're not the only fans that will throw throw things at people. I mean, you might get an egg thrown at you if you're wearing a messy jersey. Difference is we, we make national news though. Right. And that's I know we're not the only place. I'm gonna maybe my next my new job, I'm gonna I'm, I'm out of here. I'm gonna just start focusing on uncovering all of the other fan bases that do ridiculous things. You just got renee Yeah, I'm gonna be on like those un- <laughs> what is it like those mystery shows like Snap and stuff. I'll be sitting there down in Nashville. There was a person throwing an egg, and I'll be like <laughs> sharing all the behind the scenes and whatever else. All right, I love it. That was a good interview though. That was fun. Good stuff. Yeah, it was fun. And honestly, I like what he said about Messi, and, and I want to get. I want to touch on that, but I first want to talk about the MLS Cup because we haven't had a chance to do so quite yet, and it is coming up in just two days uh, as of mm-hmm. the time that we're having this conversation. I know you mentioned you're expecting a lot of goals. Goals, goals, goals. I would love to see a lot of goals, 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 because uh, first of all, not a team that I'm cheering for in it, so I don't care what the fun result is. Have lots of goals scored. Have it be a wild, insane game. Um, everybody stay healthy. And uh, make sure it's some great soccer. That's like really all that I'm looking for. But it is pretty intense when you think about all the chaos that's happening leading up to the game. And we're going to start with the tickets. Because tickets, as we talked about, JP, before the show, continue to be an issue. As we all have been discussing the growth of the league and the access and the opportunities. Why aren't there opportunities for fans to be able to get to the MLS Cup games again and I know I was reading somewhere like the cheapest tickets you can find are like five hundred dollars. But then the league did something weird where they like bought all these tickets were kind of bought out, mm-hmm. and now people are getting just the resale tickets. Like the the season ticket holders didn't have access to lower dot com field tickets. And as we know, as a team that's been in many championships, when you make it to a championship or even the playoffs, your season ticket holders kind of get priority. Yeah. And they got the wrong end of the deal. And now there's a lot of uproar going on in Columbus because the crew can't have their usual crew in attendance. <laughs> Pun intended there. <laughs> but, you know, don't get me started on resale conversations. This is a household over here trying to get Taylor Swift. We got Bad Bunny tickets, but Taylor Swift tickets. So don't get me started on, on But resale. you did get Bad Bunny, but you did not get Taylor Swift? I not, well, I was trying to get the fiance Taylor Swift tickets, but... That didn't work out. <laughs> Bad Bunny was a mess in its own right. But that that's like a whole topic we could probably do a pod on. Jeez. Resell the resell issue we have going it. on. I hate it. But it, I, I go back to, you know, last week the MLS put out the whole, you know, uh, am I under Miami? Sold all their season mm-hmm. tickets. You know who got screwed over in that? Those fans who were there in day one when they were garbage. They right. And that's over. what people are saying. Like, how are we not taking care of our own people? Like this is a baby of a league, right? And <laughs> let's remember that, like, if you look at, like, the early 2000s, like, the MLS was close of dissolving. Mm. And there was a core fan bases in these in these cities, like, what was it, 8, 9, 10 teams we had back then, like, that stayed supportive of these teams. And even through this day, some of those OG teams are garbage now, and they're still supporting. And, like, we're not taking care of our own people. I, listen, I understand capitalism. I understand, like, you know, money talks, right? But, like, a good business business ethic to have, too, is to take care of the people that supported you from day one so you can't get them a freaking ticket. 
I, I think it's it's ridiculous. So um, Michael Gioni, I think he's just a uh, uh, he's a sideline reporter. I'm sorry, he's a sideline reporter here for Univision and 2DN. Um, so he put out a tweet per LAFC teams ownership is flying the entire organization plus the players, families, guests to Columbus on Friday. Uh, that's about 400 people in total, two charter flights, and there will be 750 supporters for LAFC in Columbus. Um, I think we gave. Or no, I'm sorry. NYCFC uh, got like somewhere around 2,000 during the 2021. If I saw, if I remember that correctly, I just remember NYCFC complaining that whole playoff run about away tickets and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it's just you gotta you gotta have a more organized type of type of way of doing this. And the bigger we get, you know, you see, I mean, you see the Super Bowl. I mean, I was watching that Kelsey documentary, hearing the prices that Kelsey's oh family had to pay just to get the family to the Super Bowl that that Jason's playing in. It is crazy. So we gotta make sure. We figure this out now before the MLS Cup actually becomes a big event. So yeah. it, it's imperative to get this right now. Well, as you talk about LAFC, uh, the numbers, you know, the people that are flying out, uh, the people that will not be included are LAFC supporter group 3252 because mm-hmm. LAFC has been fined $100,000 and their supporter group 3252's privileges have been suspended after an investigation because in the last game, there was a delay in the game, if anybody remembers, and that was because the supporter group decided to bring in, so they smuggled in flares, set the flares off, and uh, it's about 20 flares that they set off that were not authorized by the MLS, and the flares created so much smoke, that's what led to the game being delayed, and so now, after all of that, there's some investigations going through uh, because those privileges are going to be restricted in the next in the MLS Cup, I should say. But also, I'm sure moving forward for next season is what I'm, I'm reading. Yeah, I mean, listen. At the end of the Mm-mm. day, rules are in place and we have to follow them. I mean, like smuggling flares. I, mean, I get why you did it, but like rules are in place, so we we have to follow them. But the bigger picture and the bigger issue here. One thing I've always criticized the MLS, and since I've started covering the union, I felt like this, and I still think we're still in this. Like, there's this like stigma that we're like the suburban family mm. league, right? And like, that's fine. Like, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a bunch of suburban families coming here with a cheap ticket, trying to take the kids out. But like, we need to evolve from that. We need to make it more inclusive. Where where is that crazy soccer environment you see in Argentina yeah. or in Germany? Like. We need to allow that to happen. Like at the end of the day, flares, I mean, they're not they're not a bad thing. And if like you don't like it, there are other sections that you can sit at. Um, it's funny too, though. I, I do find a little hypocrisy here by the MLS <laughs> because it's crazy that we can use 3252 to market our league with mm. those same exact flares. But then we got to go ahead and do an investigation, throw punishment, so like, what do we what do we do with MLS? This looks terrible. It's a nice nice little black eye for the league right here. That's a good point, actually. Uh, I know there were. My question comes down to security, and Jose's actually in the chat asking the same thing that I was wondering. Well, I wasn't wondering Jose's exact question because Jose is asking how they how they hid the flares, and he's like, never mind, I don't want to know. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I know you guys are ready to take that and run with it. So I, my question is a little bit more of like. How did it get past security? Not like, how do they, I don't need to know how they hid them. I need to know because I'm a little concerned that you're able to bring in a flare for anybody that's never seen a flare before. They're a good size. Those aren't like a cigarette size thing. Like they're pretty solid. They've got some size to them. So if you're able to smuggle that into a game, I'm very much concerned about security that that wasn't picked up on. 
And I am also concerned about where it was. It's it's giving it's giving the <laughs> meme where like that security card's literally it doesn't even care. It's just like like that's literally what it's given yeah i just it's it's very dangerous and it's very concerning for security but also for the people because where where were those 20 flares on your body i mean i've seen people try to sneak in tall boys into subaru park it doesn't always work but you know teach their own I guess. as women there's an advantage because we have <laughs> other like our clothes and different things i bet you didn't think that's where i was going with that comment we've got shoes that can hide things uh we've got <laughs> you weren't expecting that Tyler, they're uh-huh. requesting you here <laughs> need to hear zoli <laughs> yeah um no Tyler, you definitely hit some stuff in CBP. Don't lie now. (laughs) So I I am like, I am like the essentials and that's it. Like I am not bringing anything in that I have to carry. If it's like a, a a partially warm, partially cool day, I'm either the jacket stays on the entire time or there's no jacket. Like (laughs) I am minimalistic to the point of if I have to hold it in my hand for more than a a fraction of a second Mm -hmm. and it's not my phone, I'm not bringing it in. So like I I have I have no um I have no like a- anything extra not happening. <laughs> See, I'm actually kind of the complete opposite. Like I will have a whole bunch of things, but I'm I'm like that you have in the clear general. Bag that you have to bring in. Yeah, yeah, like I'm like that in general. Like even when I come into work, I have bags on bags. Like I'm a bag lady, and I always have extra stuff. And I remember like even when we went down for the Phillies games, and the weather. At that time, you know, tailgating is warm. It's cold by the game. So I'm complete opposite of Tyler where I'm like, all right, I have a, I had a bag that like folded up into like a small little thing so I could stick it in my pocket. And I had a hat in the, in that bag had things that I had to layer for later. Then I also had my snacks because I go everywhere with snacks. Renee is I had my always drink. well prepared. I always, yeah. So I had, I'm literally complete opposite where I always smuggle stuff in. Now I'm not smuggling <laughs> flares in, but I absolutely smuggle in snacks drinks layers possibly if you want a blanket i mean that's not really a smuggle well, though, it was actually like, renee with the flares and 30 it was me guys <laughs> it actually was me i was the one doing it and i do wear like that's why i said your clothes for women because i wear like a lot of boots and i've stuck so many things in those boots so many things i remember i went into the into the bar um i've definitely done that like sneak in like a little liquor yeah and i had a whole i had a whole spread in those boots (laughs) i was like what do you guys want for dinner what do you need (laughs) i got this in the right leg i got this in the left leg what you want so i'm definitely all about like every once in a while smuggle things in plus what my rule is like i will smuggle something in that if it gets taken I'm not going to be upset about it. Like I wouldn't smuggle in like a drone or something like I'm simple. I'm smuggling things I could lose. Then I'd be fine with like food. I'm, I'm with, I'm with Tyler. <laughs> I'm simple. Wallet, keys, phone. That's all no. I need. Charger, the, the phone, pocket chapstick. pat down, right? The, 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 po- yeah. the, the, the wallet, keys, phone, pat down. You're good. That's all you well, need. It, no. it, it is different when you're going as media. Cause I have the book bag and everything. Oh so, yeah. yeah. Media. So, oh, media's oh, different. Oh, oh. media. <laughs> I got have bags. sandwiches. <laughs> I got like, I have, I brought real dinner for that. Even though they give us food, I, I still bring my own food just in case I don't want the food that the media gets. So the media, as a media member, I, I, First, I also bring extra shoes because I don't usually wear my shoes in that I'm wearing once I'm inside the stadium. Like, I'm probably wearing heels. So I'm going to wear something I can move quickly in. Oh, yeah. We, we could have a whole show on <laughs> what, how you smuggle things in. I remember reading one <laughs> spot that at Citizens Bank Park, somebody, like, had bought this whole thing up that you can bring in spaghetti. I know we talked about in the Philly show oh one time. God, you can bring spaghetti in a bag, in a Ziploc <laughs> bag. Like, 
there's ways, guys. There's ways to be that able to do so things. Funny. So, so little, oh yeah, little spaghetti in a bag. That that is pretty hilarious. Joe, I appreciate this. See, Joe does. Uh, I I root for Everton. Up to nothing. Let's go toffees. Uh yeah. Also, just saw Tom Bogart with some Bogart with some breaking news. We got news a boog bomb around a boog bomb. We need like the a Colorado drop for that. Rapids <laughs> are in advanced talks over potential deal to sign. Goalkeeper Zach Steffen what? from Manchester City. So it is possible. I, we were weirdly talking about Manchester City today because I was just watching them play. Uh, it is possible to bring in some big names from international clubs. Philadelphia Union, we're looking at you. But you know where else we're looking? Delco Zone, too. That's, oh, yeah, that is actually. Uh, I'm, yeah, many stories there. Many stories because he's from <laughs> the area. But there's another spot that you can go that you can make sure you're always taking care of and you can smuggle in some great things. That's Hero Bread because they've got delicious bread, wraps, rolls. Uh, if you're looking for anything, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, Hero Bread's got you covered. Now, over at Hero Bread, they have options that are fluffy, delicious, high fiber, ultra low net carbs, zero gram sugar per slice, and also fewer calories than the leading national brand. And they give you the opportunity to now make sure regardless of your lifestyle, allergies, diet, you have a chance to have some delicious, nutritious options at Hero Bread. So head over to Hero.co, use code P-H-L-Y, and be able to get 10% off of your purchase. You can also shop for them on Amazon. And again, Hero.co, using code P-H-L-Y, gets you a nice 10% discount so that you can have an opportunity to try out Hero Bread's delicious, nutritious options that they have there for you and your family this holiday season. That's tough for Zach. I mean, I know he's had his issues with injuries and playing time in Manchester City. Coming back home, yeah, I think that's a good get for Colorado, but I definitely yeah. feel for Zach. I'm not I sure know. what that means for his US, uh, USMNT perspective there. We'll have to ask Larry Henry about that one, but that mm -hmm. is interesting. And then we also had um, an interesting one from St. Louis City. They did trade for Chris Durkin, uh, the midfielder from D.C. United. Durkin. Uh, good to good to a player. So uh, St. Louis building a strong squad, maybe some depth there too. So Tommy Bogues is definitely busy these days. Mm -hmm. It's funny, like people like Tom Bogues, Adam Schefter, season's over. You think like, ah, they get to relax, sit back. Uh -uh. It gets <laughs> even crazier during the off season as well. Oh yeah, it is. It definitely does uh, without a doubt. And that's where like, I'm like, okay, I just saw breaking across my phone. Um, but it is great. Zach Steffen, as you talk about specifically from the area, uh, played at the club that I used to actually coach out of uh, with Ooh. FC Delco, and he's got some great ties to the area. Um, and, and you know, it's a great hey, good for good for Colorado, I guess. But you know what else has been good for the MLS? That's the Messi effect because Messi. Uh, I know the final episode of Messi Meets America is dropping or has dropped, I guess today. Um, I actually I'm have to binge a, that. Yeah, I'm, I, I need to binge things. I don't like to watch it and have to wait, so I'm all about binging for sure. But I know that I was reading somewhere and uh, there was it kind of surprised me a little bit as, you know, we now have had a chance to kind of process the fact that Messi came to the MLS this season. I know, you know, David Beckham was a name that was one of the first to absolutely come um, come over to the MLS. And now we're seeing more and more and more names and, and big names that are, you know, coming over. And Messi's been a big part of that. And so, you know, when you look at Messi specifically and what he's done for the league, Obviously, huge impact in terms of just getting more butts and seats, more merchandise yeah. sales, more people interested in downloading Apple TV and following. And so I I kind of go back to like which happened first. Was it Lionel, Lionel Messi that helped make this season successful or was the season going to be successful and Messi helped 
that out. Like, it, like I don't know. Like, I, I know, obviously, the t- TV deals and everything happened first. But when you look at what Messi has done to improve the league, the talk around the league, I know uh, Tiago Almada was saying, like, far before he even was t- was thinking about the MLS, Messi was already kind of, like, in his mind talking and thinking about the That's MLS crazy. in the United States and being in United States soccer. Like, that was like, what? Um, but for Messi, I don't... I don't know if this season is as successful without the deals in place. Like, was the league ready for Messi or was Messi the one that helped the league make those? I don't even know if that question makes sense. I get get what you're saying. Which came first? I don't know which came first. The league or Messi? Like, I mean, I know which came first, but you know. (laughs) Chicken or the Someone's like, you're dumb. It was clearly MLS. (laughs) So I I think that without Messi, this league would have kept going in the trajectory it was already going in. The quality on the pitch has been improving. I think this year it has improved as well. The issue was the amount of matches, and you saw how that affected the quality towards mm-hmm. the end. But even if you look at what created the extra matches, League's Cup, that was an entertaining tournament. Yeah. Besides the messy effect, there was a lot of good soccer being played, and that brought a lot of eyes to the other matches that weren't included with Inter-Miami. Off the pitch. Yes, we took leaps and bounds because of Messi. Mm-hmm. When I have like people texting me, yo, <clears throat> you have tickets to Union in, in Miami that I haven't talked to in forever, who don't even care about soccer. I mean, we're doing something right as a league here. Mm-hmm. And I think going forward into year two, we talked about it on Monday, you know, Luis Suarez possibly coming to Inter Miami as well. That's going to be a fun team to watch. And they're going to have a full season to get it right. I mean, Miami's success could really bring even more butts and eyes to the game. And For sure. it sucks because, you know me, I'm a unionite, I'm an MLSer, <laughs> I bleed the blue and gold. But I know the bigger picture is I know what Messi brings to this league. And it's going to keep getting bigger. I mean, even for like those smaller markets, like a, like, look at like a, like a market like Chicago. Yeah. A 90s a club from the 90s came in in 96. Or I'm sorry, 90s. No, 98, 98. And so they have been here for a while. Obviously really stagnant because they've been terrible over the past decade. And so when Messi comes to town, you see what the effect that does. Soldier mm-hmm. Field is packed. And so off the pitch, Messi has really helped this league become more part of pop culture. I think MLS would like to be part of that, you know, get to like, you know, like that Travis Kelsey and that that Taylor Swift Mm -hmm. type of status. So I think the MLS has become more of a popular league. Yeah, I think this year, you know, when you look across sports of the names that really helped elevate leagues and the conversation around leagues, whether you like it or not, it's. Deion Sanders with Colorado overall with the college football scene. It's um, Shohei Otani right now in baseball with how, you know, he's been such a big name that everyone's following and, and the NHL tracking. could use some of that, it's to be been, honest. <laughs> yeah, it's been Travis Kelsey on, on the heels of more Taylor Swift, but the Travis <laughs> Taylor duo, and it's been Lionel Messi. Like, Messi's been the guy that's been the main one that's, Everybody around the MLS or the soccer world is talking about and now has other international stars like a Luis Suarez, you know, who are even considering or interested in coming to the MLS. You know, people follow Messi. Messi is the goat. Messi is a household name. And most people that don't don't even know a thing about soccer know Messi. And so that's where he has been. I, I like what you mentioned, that crossover of like pop culture, entertainment, sports, the intersection of all of that. Messi has now united soccer that regardless if you're the casual fan or, you know, a true fan that's followed soccer your entire life and watches Premier League games and Champions League games and all these, you know Messi. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Messi. 
I don't know if you saw Fabian Rankle's tweet today, but uh, the Vogue put out like their 2023 like fashion like staples oh, this year. Could you believe that Messi's pink jersey got put in that list? That is for a, fashion. That's a fashion staple in 2023. Are you kidding me? I've been wearing Union jerseys this whole time. What do you, well, where's my props? <laughs> so all you guys rocking Messi jerseys, you are fashionistas and you didn't even know it. That is pretty wild. Swear actually. pink, Messi jersey, you're an influencer. There you go. The Messi effect. And <laughs> and listen, as we get into the off season more and more, we're going to see even more of how the Messi effects play, plays out because we haven't even had a chance to see a full season yeah. of Messi in the MLS. So I'm excited because I've always been a true Messi fan. I always say he's he's on my list of favorite players of all, you know, of all time for all sports. And it's been great to see, you know, I think everybody like Wes was even talking about, whether it's your kids that are rocking Messi jerseys or, yeah. you know, he's been, he's been around for so long that a lot of us grew up on Messi, oh, yeah. Yeah. myself included. And so now <laughs> to be able to have a chance to see him in person and see him playing in, in the league that we follow and watch, it's awesome. It's awesome. So it's yeah. definitely made a lot of conversation and apparently even a list for fashionistas out there that yeah. if you're rocking a Messi jersey, you too are basically the next GQ cover, you know, model basically is what I got from what you just shared. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, <laughs> I, you don't have to wear the Messi jersey if you don't want to, but if you're looking for some gear and you're looking for some sports merchandise and memorabilia, we got the place for you. Foco. Thank you to FOCO for sponsoring us here today. They're the leading manufacturer in sports and entertainment merchandise. The product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and much, much more. Right now, FOCO's got you hooked up, guys. For non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10. You'll get 10% off for that, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Use the code PHLY10 at the checkout page. 10% off. Thank you so much to FOCO. And make sure you guys check out our friends over at FOCO. Well, while we are talking about the international presence and oh, the yeah. growth of the sport, uh, oh, yeah. tonight is an exciting night. Of course, it's the draw for the 2024 Copa America, mm -hmm. and that's happening in Miami um, at James Knight Center. And it's an opportunity to be able to see, you know, where and who teams are going to be playing. Of course, it's Copa America is going to be hosted in 14 different cities around the United States. June 20th to July 14th. I know, JP, you are so excited for this. Um, we all are. It's great. And obviously it means, again, much like you talk about Messi being in our backyard, Copa America's in our backyard. And so that's going to be a huge, huge, huge opportunity because, of course, you've got the defending champs, <laughs> none other than Argentina and Mr. Lionel Messi himself. So it's going to be fun. It is going to be, be fun. fun. It is going to be fun. <laughs> Uh, seeing the South American game, this tournament, I, it, it means obviously the world to me, but for a lot of South Americans, it's extremely important. You know, it's very close to the World Cup, depending on who you ask. Yeah. Um, but it's cool to have it here in our backyard. I obviously will be watching as much Colombia that I can <laughs> in person. Um, but the, uh, the 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 sites, the the, the the stadiums, the venues that we're using, that's where I, I have my question marks. I don't I don't know what we were thinking here. Um, so they obviously announced the, the cities that we will be having these, um, these mm -hmm. games in and, uh, Philadelphia did not make the cut. Uh, <laughs> we have three in Texas, like two in, Ca in California. Uh, we have two in Kansas. I'm like trying to think where are we playing? I guess Children Mercy's Park and, and Arrowhead, but like, I, I don't, I feel like, um, Children's Mercy doesn't hold a lot of people. Yeah. Um. The in the Northeast we have obviously North Jersey, right? We have. Yeah, I feel like that. Met but it's usually it's usually either it's usually both. It's mm -hmm. usually the Link and the Met. 
MetLife. They decided that you're to. Kids at. I'm surprised by that too, actually. They decided to go with Charlotte. Um, and Mercedes Benz Stadium. They, well, yeah, I mean, you know, you know they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna go with the Benz. But this, listen, I don't want to disrespect Charlotte because I really feel like they can provide a really good soccer environment. I mean, you've seen what was it the first home match? They broke Atlanta's record. Um, so I, I don't want to give that give take it away. But when you're talking about the sport, we're talking about a sport. Um, I can't think of many cities in America that gives a better experience as far as sports watching than Philadelphia. And that is what we're missing out here on Copa America. Mira, Copa America, mira, 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 hablamos juntos. You got to come to Philadelphia. I just don't get how you don't. Well, obviously, it's done now. But that was my head scratcher there. No Philly there. But hey, we'll, we'll travel around. But especially like it would have been a good warm up for the World Cup that we're having here in 26. But they didn't see the same thing. Yeah, I think uh, when you look across this list, Atlanta makes sense to me. Vegas, of course, makes sense. L.A. Um, also, Austin? <sighs> yeah. I think this, the head scratchers are... And I don't know if it's an attempt, you know, you're trying to spread out, so to speak, and be able to hit as many markets as you can. Not sure where they... Why they chose these. Was it based on attendance from... You know, MLS or even NWSL games of these respective markets in these areas. You know, I'm curious what. And then also, I'm assuming based on what I've heard from World Cup talks, um, you do have to be able to provide certain things. So that could possibly get too. You have to be able to provide certain things like training facilities and other resources mm. outside of the actual games themselves. So maybe part of the reasoning for these 14 chosen cities for the 2024 Copa America comes down to who could have provided all of that. Uh, but I do think instead of having like two venues in Kansas City, do one in Kansas City. Why do you need two in Kansas City? It's not that big. Yeah. Uh, one in Kansas City and then one somewhere else. Um, that to me would have been the vote. And then maybe you scratch between Santa Clara and I mean, Arizona is pretty cool, I guess. But you have Houston and Arlington. It's the also one. I mean, I just and like, I, I, like do we I really want to use MLS venues for this tournament? Like, it's still going to be packed, guys. Like, listen. People are going to travel for these matches. Yeah. We have huge, especially like it's clear that they wanted to play in heavily Latin population, mm -hmm. populated areas. That's a good point. That's why that's a lot of Southern parts of the country as well, too, I'm sure. So like, why are we playing? No disrespect to our league, but why are we playing in MLS stadiums for this tournament? Yeah. Well, we will find out more, JP. Yeah. I know you've got a bone to pick with Copa America and we will find I'm a out more. I'm, I'm coming for you. Oh, man. The whole. <laughs> Copa America. JP's coming for you. Watch out. So the draw does happen tonight, 7.30 p.m. Um, and that'll be exciting to see as those details get finalized. But uh, listen, it's it's a lot going on right now internationally within the MLS. Of course, we're always keeping an eye on the Philadelphia Union. And so, uh, you know, for, for all of us here at PHOI Union Podcast, we will continue twice a week, Tuesday, Thursdays, oh, yeah. we'll be able to unpack a lot of soccer news. Uh, whether it's the fact that Everton won three nothing, hey, or the talkies. fact that you know maybe there's a big trade happening or signing happening, we're following it all here on PHOI Union podcast. So make sure you're following us on Twitter, PHOI underscore Union. You're keeping up with the show. You're subscribed. You're tuned in. We also have a great deal for anybody that's interested in being a diehard. We have mm. a great deal with our diehard memberships right now. They've got a sale. That's right. It's the end of the year, and we're bringing you a sale. So you can now take advantage of that discount, $20 off of your diehard membership. And with that, you get to have an opportunity to join the conversation in the Discord that we are always having. It's not just us here at the Union Show, but all of our shows across PHOI Sports. 
Uh, whether you want to jump in and talk Eagles, or you want to talk about Flyers that had the game tonight, or you're talking about, you know, the Sixers or, of course, the Union and the Phillies. So anything you want to talk about, you can do that in our Discord channel. You can also take advantage of getting discounts to PHOI events, lots that comes with it, as well as a nice free T-shirt that you get with that uh, membership, as well as a bundle of stickers. So take advantage of that. And we'll have much more coming your way here on more PHOI Union Podcast Tuesday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern That's Time. Right. We will be live back here for Tyler, JP, myself, Renee, and our special guest, Wes Bowling from down in Nashville. Thanks for tuning in and have a great weekend. Let's see what happens in that MLS Cup. Doop. We all silly like the mayor.